welcome to episode seven of our Unhappy Not Ill podcast. Hi. Hey, everyone. Um, so we are moving into the very important topic of relationships. And I think the reason why it's important is because obviously everything Vanessa shared so far, she wasn't on her own. Well, I felt on my own, but you're right. I wasn't actually on my uh, own. Yeah, physically on your own. Um, and it's just really interesting to kind of hear how Vanessa dealt with those relationships, how they dealt with her and potentially how those relationships benefited her or disadvantaged her and I think you'll get a feel quite soon guys that this isn't about just the typical sense of relationships that you thinking about which is love relationships although we will talk about those but it's other relationships as well um, that I think are worth sharing with you guys in terms of Vanessa's journey. Should we start with the uh, love relationships? Why not? How did this how did this impact your situation? So when I think back to what we've discussed so far, I actually really think I struggled from quite a young age to form normal relationships. Um, and, and, and I, God, you know, I hate using the word normal because it goes against everything I believe in, in terms of what is normal. But it's really just used to express notionally what's normal. So I had, as we know, a very close family. So I had really, really functional relationships within that family. Um, but when I reflect on my childhood friendships and, you know, the way I showed up at school and I was on the face of it, popular at school and successful at school, but I never really felt like I bonded with anybody um, as much as I saw other people do. And I think when we're growing up, we perhaps just don't question those things. And I didn't really question it. I seemed popular, I think, but I didn't really have any really close relationships with anyone. Um, and I think now that's just because I had such a close relationship with my family. So I think we as humans tend to form the relationships we need. Yeah. Let's put it that way. I like it. Yeah. And I didn't need to have the friendships. So I know, for exa example, that you were hugely sociable and everybody's friend. Yeah because you're just so popular and you're just so goddamn amazing. <laughs> but I wasn't like that. I was popular. People wanted to be my friend, but I didn't have those bonds because outside of school, we were very much family. Family was, you know, all we did. We didn't hang out with our mates and um, that was that. So I think I had the relationships I needed, which weren't particularly close. When I was younger, I didn't really have romantic relationships, um, mainly because um, my father is a, an Italian man and he was strict. So he made it quite uh, difficult slash embarrassing to have any romantic relationships under the age of about sort of 18. Um, and then I was kind of deep into the territory of depression. So, you know, you, you know, you don't attract people when you're depressed. And actually my experience is, what I did attract when I was depressed was definitely not good for me. Interesting. So there's a bit of a concept there around you mirror, you, you, yeah, mirror you attract, what you, you attract, uh, what you, what you mirror. Yeah, I guess. Um, so romantic relationships, uh, I didn't have any till I was any to speak of. So I, I think I had a boyfriend when I was in my sixth form and, I remember vaguely having a boyfriend when I was about 15 and probably had a few kisses behind the bus shelters Ooh. at some point 
in my sort of 10 to 20s. But, you know, it wasn't a big thing for me. Like all my friends at school, you know, they were all going out on a Friday night, getting drunk, like getting off with people. I wasn't allowed to do that. It didn't happen to me. So it didn't happen. Yeah. Um, so my first relationship um, was with a boy when I was at university. Uh, was it depression? Was it because I was gay? I don't know. It was fun in some capacities. Um, but I struggled with romantic relationships. And, and I'll never really know whether that was because I was gay um, or whether it's because I was depression or a combination of both. Um, but I, there was also another factor, which is my parents have got an amazing relationship. So again, it goes back to you you form them and you, you, you get out of life what you need, not necessarily what you want. Um, and my parents have a really, really good relationship. So that's a very high benchmark to follow. And because we were such a close family and therefore I didn't have any needs. And in fact, I didn't have any needs to have a loving relationship at all until I met you, really. I think I wanted a loving relationship, but I didn't need it because I had so much love and support from my family and my parents specifically that I didn't form relationships with people the way I see other people do. Like it wasn't that I was going to find my person. Yeah. And I think, I think obviously knowing much more about your journey now, you can see why that was the case with your parents because for them, it must've been horrific to see you going through what you were going through and being yeah. so helpless with that situation that they almost wanted to protect you and care yeah, for you. That, yeah. And, and I was so vulnerable in, in many ways. And, um, you know, I must've been a nightmare as a daughter and I must've been a horrendous nightmare as a sister because, you know, at times I was in such hell, I was in such hell and how that would have shown up to my family would have been horrendous. Um, but yeah, I didn't, I, look, I had relationships. So in my twenties, I started to have romantic relationships. I started out of the view that, you know, you fell in love and that was it forever because that's what basically happened with my parents. Now, obviously my father had had relationships before he met my mum and my mum had had relationships before she met my dad, but they had met and got married very young. Yeah. Early. Yeah. Um, so I don't think, um, my relationships worked out very well because a, I didn't really know how to have a relationship other than the relationship that I'd seen my parents have. And of course that was a relationship that culminated in a marriage and on the basis that I didn't spend my teenage years kind of finding out who I was from a sexuality and relationship perspective, when I started joining the party in my sort of 20s, I was a bit behind the curve. But I think I had the intensity of somebody older, but the emotional development of somebody younger. Yeah. So it, I struggled and that was compounded by depression because I wasn't able to handle what are the normal growing pains of a relationship in in perhaps the way other people can and do. And I'm not, that's not everybody because I know some people really handle it badly. But when relationships weren't working for me, it had a massive effect on my mental health. Um, so it became at times toxic, at times disastrous. And And I think what would be really helpful for our listeners here is... Maybe we can put ourselves into the position of your partners because it must be quite difficult to live and be with someone who 
is going through such turmoil in their life? Like what, what advice have you got there? I didn't live with my partners. <laughs> um, Probably for a And maybe that occasion. was by design. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I was able to take myself away when I was having my black moments. Um, but, you know, there were partners in my life who saw me in hospital, um, saw me at my absolute worst. Um, most of them ran away, if I'm honest. Even if they didn't want to, they did. And I, I don't blame them because it must have been very scary um, and it must have been very... Um, yeah, wow, it's not what you kind of sign up for, is it? Um, and I was still young. I was in my 20s um, and and I guess a little bit unpredictable because that's how depression makes people. Yeah. So, you know, I think I went through a lot of my life feeling like I was unreliable um, and inconsistent. I think they are things that I have very often thought about myself until I realised that I'm actually not unreliable or inconsistent, but I was unwell. And when we're unwell, particularly with mental health, we change. It's like somebody else is in your body. That's how. That's the only way I can describe my twenties yeah. and thirties. It was like I was inhabited by somebody else. Yeah. So to the naked eye, it was Vanessa, but it didn't look or feel like me to me. Um, so for people who were in a relationship with me, it must have been really, really difficult. And and indeed the relationships were, particularly my relationship, my significant relationship in my 20s, which lasted to my sort of early 30s. Um, that was my first female relationship. And, you know, it wasn't all my fault by any stretch. You know, um, my ex-girlfriend, uh, Tina, she had her own baggage and her own trials to deal with. But in combination, it was not compatible not compatible yeah. we, I mean look we're still friends now and I love it to bits but yeah so do I it's the um <laughs> you know it, it, it was it's just like a cocktail isn't it and it was a cocktail that nobody would want to drink um so I think you know if you ask her she saw my struggles and she absolutely was as supportive as she could be but she just couldn't be as supportive as I need as supportive as I needed yeah. and I think if you are in a relationship and your partner suffers with depression it is very, very difficult and it's so difficult because unfortunately it impacts you as well because that sort of negative mood, that low mood, it impacts the people around you. It's an energy thing. Um, and I always found it much easier when I was on my own. So really? if I withdrew, I found it much easier because, you know, nobody wants to feel shit. Yeah. Like nobody wants that. Nobody enjoys it. And actually, when other people are around you, I mean, I do it myself. I've suffered with depression all of my life. If you're having a bad day, it affects me. And I'm like, just fucking pull yourself together and sort it out. That's just human nature. No one means it meanly, but it's just because it's, if you have a cold, it doesn't really affect me. As in, you know, I can still eat and drink and do the things I want to do. But if you if your mood is low, it does affect the other person. Yeah, totally. And actually, you know, I came to the party quite late, um, and we'll talk about that in a few episodes on. But oh my god, you have not been nowhere near as bad as you have been in your earlier life with me. But you, I couldn't stop but think, is it to do with me? You know, yeah. You, yeah I think I think it's a natural been... instinct for the human yeah. to blame themselves for something to say, oh my god, like maybe she's depressed because she doesn't like me, or maybe I've done something wrong, and maybe I could do something different. Um, and actually, you know, from someone who has lived with someone with depression, 
I know not as bad as what it was historically. No, but, but I still, at the start of our relationship, I yeah. still was quite, I was still medicated. I was still on exactly. a different path. I think the, the, the thing that was the saving grace is Vanessa's honesty around her situation. Um, and, you know, very early on in our relationship, she said, Esty, I, I suffer with depression. I take medicine for it. And guys, at this point, this is the first time I've ever even heard of the word. Like, I just was so oblivious to that side of the planet and to mental health. And so for me, I was a bit like, oh God, what does that mean? Like, you know, what what do I do with that? But her honesty allowed me to be aware of it, for me to talk to people about it and get help about it. But it just means that everything is out on the table. And when everything's out of the table, you can deal with it as a, as a couple. Um, and I think, you know, Vanessa, you were like very late in your journey at this point. So you had a lot of self-awareness um, and you could communicate that. But, you know, as someone in the relationship with a depressive, I would encourage them to help you understand what that actually means for them. Because this is your journey. It'll be different for anyone else. Um, so I think it just needs to breed honesty. Yeah, I think I think having that kind of transparency and support, you know, you've always supported me and that's and I think the other thing as well is, you know, for me certainly, um my my life got much better when I met you. So it, remember the reason we called this podcast Unhappy Not Ill is because I'm not saying that, you know, you can't be ill if you're unhappy, because I do believe that you you become what you feel. So if you're very, very unhappy, you will become ill. However, the reason I called it unhappy, not ill is because, you know, it was in the sort of late 30s and early 40s that I realised more and more what made me happy. And you were definitely one of those things. So I think you got the easier ride out of me totally, because you yeah. well, you made it easy for me because you made my life happier. Yeah. And I'm um, saying you made it easy for me because yeah. you were open and honest about it. But I, but I think that for... And also, you know, your parents were great. So I think this this leads really nicely into... The next relationship that I wanted to talk about, which is the support yeah. network. And the well, I think that. that was what I was going to say, actually. The, the thing is, if we go back to the general rule of having relationships, it's really hard when you start out on your depression journey or mental health journey because, you know, it's all about being honest and it's all about support. So the one thing I learned over the years is that I wouldn't be here now but for the, my family. I absolutely wouldn't be here. They have been the reason I not only survived but thrived and worked it out. But for some people I know they don't have that, so they have to build their own families however they do that because yeah. family doesn't have to be blood. I was fortunate that I had the blood. I didn't need the friends, so hence why I said I don't think I formed necessarily the relationships I thought I should have formed, but I didn't need them because I had such a great family. Yeah. Um, but for you... But the point is around the support network. The support so. network's critical. And by the yeah. time you met me, and certainly depending on, on how aware people are, I knew that in my 30s, I knew I needed the support networks. I needed my mum and dad specifically. But also I had key friends. So there were key people in my life that were always there for me when my, my moods dropped. And my little brother was particularly fantastic with me. Um, when I was poorly and he was only young um, even going through his university life but he him and my sister have always grown up around that bless them it must have been very hard for them but because it was bad yeah. at times and it affected the families a lot 
Um, but my little brother, I I do know how much he, because I used to find him very calming. So he used to just come and sit with me. Like I had my own house. I was this high flying career woman. But sometimes I'd go home and I would just get into bed and I wouldn't see anyone all weekend or, you know, it, it was very, very sad, really. And I think, yeah, support networks works a, a key. And I think if you are somebody that doesn't have that support network around you, you are going to suffer even more than you need to. So for me, things that I haven't done in my life, and we've talked about this, like I haven't had the travel experiences of living overseas that I would have wanted to have, not because I didn't necessarily have the opportunities, but because I absolutely was too afraid to be away from my support network. And now in my years with you, I feel I can do those things because you are fundamentally my support network. So I still have my family. Absolutely. But yeah. I have support with you and obviously with our wonderful children um, who, aka for the audience, are not humans, they're animals. So we have six animals and, and that is another important part of my recovery. Support and support network, yeah. yeah. 100%. I mean, I, I read something today and I can't god I can't remember where it was but it was saying about oh I know what it was on it was on that um Tony Riddle natural lifestylist oh yeah uh, so he Tony Riddle guys look him up Art Paulings look him up great people really contributed to my journey of self-discovery um he he was saying in one of his narratives about how you need to have tw 12 hugs a day 12 hugs a day okay for human kind of survival yeah and that doesn't have to be with your partner um luckily my partner's ridiculously cuddly however <laughs> it, it can be animals and, and I was thinking about what he said and thinking back to when I started to get control of my life so at home I had animals but then in my 20s I struggled I did try and have a couple of cats but I was just so unwell and trying to hold down this career it was just too much and the cats were affected by my health. You could see their personalities mirrored really? my my depression. A hundred percent. They were anxious. They were edgy. And now, you know, you know, you know what my animals like when you met me. Then when I was in my mid-30s after the kind of, um, you know, I think I, I had a bit of a crash in my mid-30s, went to hospital. Uh, I'd had a relationship breakdown. It, it affected me really badly. It was pretty, you know. Nasty. Yeah. And the ex wasn't particularly pleasant. Um and I got my my cat, Alfie, and he's a Siamese cat. He was a Siamese cat. And he changed my life um, because it was me and him. And he healed me. He wasn't actually, I picked him. He wasn't a very well cat. And my parents were there and they were like, don't pick him. He'll die. And then you're going to be more heartbroken. Oh, God. And of course, <laughs> so I picked him because he was just, not, the, the, the breeder said, I don't know if he'll survive. Um, and he survived seven years and well you met Alfie yeah. and he was a very special cat and he healed me and there were times in that time when we were just me and him where we would have you know he would sleep with me every night um, and I think he was the first thing I understood the concept of falling in love over and it was obviously not the love of romance but it was that unconditional um, love that yeah. I clearly needed yeah. beyond what I obviously had in my family. Um, and that was a very significant turning point for me. Him was a significant turning point for me because I recognised he was the reason I got better. Because when he was alive, 
he needed me. Um, and it gave you a routine. And it gave me, it gave me the, what I needed to find my way out of it. Now, obviously, Alfie didn't live very long. And we now have six more animals, another Siamese. I'll always have a Siamese because they're very special animals. But you know, my relationship with animals yeah. is critical. And when I go away now, if I, we were away, if I'm away working, I miss them probably more than anything. Um, because they just give you that unconditional love. You can cuddle them whenever you need to. And I think anybody out there with any sort of mental illness, the the impact that having an animal to care for, because I know some people will talk about kids, but, you know, fundamentally children are hard, hard work. Okay, that's a life commitment. And there was no way I was going to be doing that with the life I'd had. Um, so I'm not saying that I absolutely know that happens with children. I know how my parents are with us. But for me, that would have probably created me falling completely over the cliff. But an animal was much more, you know, they it's almost like the contradictive. Yeah. Um, so I think, reaction, you know, let's start yeah. sensibly. If you are struggling, have, yes, you need your friends. You need your friends. You're, you're either, um, actual family or a family you choose it doesn't have to be your actual family yeah. um but fundamentally i think animals are key and it's funny isn't it because you talk about getting alfie as such a turning point that there's almost like a direct correlation with that yeah i mean he he definitely changed my life um no <laughs> i haven't been upset talking about anything oh netty that's weird, isn't it? I don't talk about, I didn't get upset talking about, um, you know, the brutality of mental health care and, you know, trying to kill myself. But when I think about him, yeah, because he, he helped me find myself, which is just bizarre, I know, but I, I definitely don't think I'm alone in that. And, you know, when he died, he died the first year that we moved into the house we're in now. Yeah, I know, I remember and that. And it was like he, and I'd met you, we'd got married, and it was like he knew he could leave me then because he, he, was he wasn't meant to live seven years. Yeah, 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 no, yeah, you said, um, yeah. But he did, so oh, I no, don't he's know. He's definitely special. I mean, I, for context, didn't like cats before I met Alfie, and he was the, the one animal that made me love that breed, so thanks, and Alfie. you love all cats. <laughs> but, you know, it, do, it's, yeah. it's, it's, you've got to find your significant relationship and actually he was mine I think yeah. I think and he, actually you know the point is the that relationship or that support network can come in various guises and various forms it doesn't have to just be a love relationship it can be whatever well it can be loving whatever guise it needs to be but I, I do think that there is when I listen to people who struggle and um, you know and I do have the fortune of having friends who are very highly sort of successful people and you know, I can see that they struggle for the same reason that I struggle, but maybe not in the same way. Yeah. Um, and I see that the benefit that animals can bring to those people, um, more so than human relationships, I think, personally. I think, I think there's something I want to just bring to the fore here, and this isn't planned, um, so come with me on this, <laughs> um, is, you know, one of the things that relationships do and particularly animal relationships do is kind of give you a routine of you know get up getting up yeah. in the morning feeding they the give cat you a purpose getting up you know getting changed into nice work clothes and going into work and having work relationships you know the concept of relationships gives you routine 
Uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think that really helped you. Yeah, having a routine. Yeah. And also as a child, I had a very strong routine. So like, you know, I, I can count on two hands the amount of times I didn't stay in our house overnight yeah, up until the age of sort yeah. of 18. You know, we, apart from when we went on holiday, but as a family. But yeah, I mean, I slept in my same bed. We ate around. We had the same. My mum and dad were really good with routine. Um, so actually it was when I left home that that became a problem for me because as, as, as all kids know, when you leave home, you go to university routine doesn't really happen. And, and you know what, for most people that's okay. But if you do or are suffering with some sort of mental health or anxiety or stress, um, it can be critical. And of course I lost my routine. Um, and I don't think I really found a routine in in a healthy capacity then till about my mid-30s. And remember, I've always Gosh. had a home. So I've always owned yeah. my own home. I've always, So I have had a routine, but I guess having the family that I had where we had such a strong purpose, which was, you know, we're a family, we love each other and we support each other, to then suddenly leave home as I was 19, I think, and then lived on my own until I was really in my mid-30s. So, you know, I did have a few girlfriends that would um, stay around and occasionally move in because that's kind of what lesbian women do. Um, Hmm. And then you'd kick them out with some drama. Um, But it's, you know, I lived on my own. And you're right, Alfie gave me a purpose slash routine. So I had my routine, but I also had my purpose. Yeah. So maybe it's about having routine and purpose rather than just a routine. Yeah, but I think for listeners of this podcast, routine is easier, isn't it, to get to? Yeah, but I think it's important to have both. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. I did I did have a routine, but it wasn't enough. Um and purpose doesn't have to be traditional purpose. So it's not about getting married, having kids. I see what you mean. Okay. You had to have I had to you have to have something to wake up for every morning. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, like there'll be people out there, I would have been that person, no, my career, but is it? But if it, even if it is your career, at least that is a purpose. No, like, but that's, that's what I okay. thought mine was, but it clearly wasn't a purpose. Yeah. What I'm saying is just because you think it should be your career, the question is, is it? Yeah. Let's talk about work relationship a little bit because, you know, and I'm thinking more kind of 25 to 35. Mm. How did that pan out? I know you're still close to Rachel Lynn and Amanda. Yeah, I've got some um, good friends that I trained with when I did my legal training. Um, But again... How did that work out with your depression? They were brilliant and still in my life now. They always supported me when I was ill. Um, But, you know, my friendships with... So people I work with at, at work, you know, I've got... Like anyone, I've got some people I really talk to and some people I don't. The people that really knew me, you know, they'd come and visit me in hospital. Um, you know, I had some decent bosses um, who would come to me when I was in hospital and really supported me. So I would never say that I um, suffered badly yeah. in that respect. But what I would say is that I suspect at times it was career limiting. <laughs> you know, I had yeah. to like break break a few glass ceilings and I did, but it wasn't easy. Um, and, you yeah. know, I, I think also where, where I was ill, um, regardless of what they thought, it affected me. Because once you've been unwell with depression in a hospital out of kind of circulation, it's really hard. And I remember one point in particular when I would have been sort of early 30s, I was working in a fantastic law firm. They were brilliant. Um, and, you know, they supported me. They helped me. But 
my depression um, manifested in really strong ways. So I literally couldn't remember things. I struggled to do the simple tasks that were required in my job. Um, and I was very fortunate they were great with me. So, you know, go and take the treatment. That was before my ECT, actually. But that was medication that did that. That wasn't the depression. Totally, the doctors yeah. will sit there and go, oh, it's because you're depressed. And, and absolutely, it is a symptom of depression. But the reason I then ended up having the ECT was because of the medication. So it, it was no doubt in my mind that the reason I was struggling to function and do the most basic parts of my job were not because of the depression, but because of the impact of the medication and the quantity and the fact it wasn't working for me. Um, but, you know, I've always had fairly good, well, you know, you're married to me. I've got very good relationships. I don't have loads, but it's depth rather than breadth. Yeah. So I'm all about quality, not quantity. Um, and the people that I have in my life um, are there because they're good people and they're good relationships and they haven't judged me. The people that aren't there have probably judged me or haven't fully understood. And quite frankly, you know, at the time it was tough. You know, you know that you're not going to work well in certain environments because of your limitations. Um, but now with the benefit of balance and hindsight, it's in my view, their loss. And I don't want to be, I don't want to be those people. Like, you know, I watch them now because, you know, LinkedIn, great platform for bullshit. Um, you know, you watch <laughs> these people and striving and thriving and telling us all their great work stories. And I just look at them and think, yeah, it's just bullshit. Okay. Brilliant, Nettie. Thank you. So that means the end of episode seven of our Unhappy Not Ill podcast. Thanks so much for listening, guys. I really hope you can take some insight and some relation away from this, um, in particularly for your life. I think there's two takeaways um, that I think you hopefully agree with me are relevant. The first one is around this concept about finding what you need. Yeah. Right? Because yeah, work it's out almost what you need really hard it. to figure out what you need. It's like really stepping into this zone of the now and just asking yourself, what do I need right now? Whatever it is, just stop and think about the future and the history, but what do I need right now? And you'll start getting themes and repetitions out of what you need and that forms and what you need in, 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 in that part of your life. So the first takeaway is this concept of ask yourself, what do I need me as my person today, right now. And the second one is form a strong routine. If, if you're feeling in, in the dark moments and in the depth of, of your mind, stick to a routine that is simple and start with little tiny steps because a routine will give you a purpose and a routine will give you a flow in your day that will make you feel like you have something to hold on to. And get an Alfie. <laughs> That'll be my takeaway. Yeah. Get an absolutely. Alfie. If you haven't yet, please follow us on Instagram and follow this podcast. Share it with your friends and your family or anyone you think could benefit from this. I think we need to get the message out there as much as possible. And the next episode that we're going to be talking about, episode eight, is called My Way. So Vanessa's Way. And... Guys, we're getting into the the, th the themes of kind of how Vanessa got out of this and really how, how she got to where she is today. 
So we're going to start over with my way in the next episode. Thanks again for listening. Thank you. And see you soon. Bye. Bye.